0: All right, welcome to the Progression Health Podcast. I'm Ross Dempsey with my first guest on my first episode, Shannon Beer. Uh, Shannon's going to introduce herself and we're going to get into a few questions. So I'll let you take it away, Shannon.
1: Firstly, thank you for having me. Um, I always find it difficult to introduce myself, but I guess my official title would be as a registered nutritionist. But ultimately, I really like to help people to feel good in their bodies, enjoy food again, and get the most out of their lives. So that is pretty much what my coaching is aimed towards. And I also mentor other coaches on an approach that I have termed comprehensive coaching which is like a coaching framework that I created in collaboration with Dr. Gabrielle Um, so we host a bunch of like webinar series and also do personal mentoring for other coaches so I'm part-time coach part-time mentor um, and also like to kind of in my personal life travel around and move around a whole lot so that's basically what I'm up to on a daily basis.
0: Brilliant yeah so You're very busy and you're you're well-connected. And um, actually, I was at a a Renaissance periodization seminar and I I met uh, Dr. Fandaro. So she has a lot of good information and she's a great person to be working with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I've learned a lot from her.
0: So we'll kick it off with the questions we have here. So uh, what's your experience working with clients? So I meant to say from the start and up until now, you've gone into that a little bit. And then what's kind of like, I guess, your ideal client um, or the area you specialize in? So start to finish and then your ideal client?
1: Yeah, I guess when I started out as a coach, I would just kind of work with whoever required my help, you know, which was a wide range of people. Um, And I always had the advice, you know, find your niche, like you'll find your niche, and then you'll attract the type of people that you want to work with. And I never really knew what that meant. Mm -hmm. Um, But over time, I think my work with people I began to notice some common barriers that seemed quite difficult to address. for example, body dissatisfaction, um, difficulty with regulating eating behaviors, and I realized that it wasn't just like a knowledge deficit. So I think when I started out, I was very much on the side of like, education is empowerment. If you just teach people a bit more about nutrition, then that will help. Whereas now, I've come to realize that most people have a general idea of what to do, and most people don't need to know the details, you know, in order to be generally healthy. And my interest in like the nerdy details surrounding nutrition weren't really practically applicable. And as I say, I, I noticed that people were struggling with sort of dietary restraint, which is more so like a cognitive and psychological phenomena, and also um, body dissatisfaction. So I began to explore those areas of research in order to help the people that I was working with. So I was like, I don't really know what to do here. You know, I can see that you're struggling with something. and I don't actually have any advice to offer, but I would like to help. So that's kind of where my um, research interests you know, began. And over time, I guess I have attracted that type of clientele so people who don't feel happy in their bodies um, and would like to learn how to feel better probably have some body composition goals maybe are struggling um, with feeling guilty about what they're eating or feeling like a loss of control over their food choices and just really want some help to regain that control find I guess peace and freedom with what they're eating and learn how to feel good about themselves you know whilst they're doing that and the ultimate goal then being you know having a, a secure sense of who one is and feeling good about that so that you can engage in life essentially so knowing you know on a rational level okay I know that there's more to life than how I look but how do I actually live that belief you know because I think there's it's one thing agreeing with that and another thing putting it into practice so that's kind of now the type of person that I work with the most.
0: Yeah, very good. That's a very interesting transition. It kind of sounds like you're helping people uh, fit food into their life, you know, as like you grow older, your relationship with food food changes a lot and the food environment changes a lot. And that's a lot trickier than people would think, you know, you don't you don't think about eating a whole lot as you're younger, but as you get older, it really becomes like a big part of your life.
1: Yeah. And I think in conjunction with that, not only does food become a larger part of our lives, but we become much more self-conscious know we're aware that there's pressure to look a certain way um you know we want to fit in we want to impress people we want to have friends we want to feel accomplished and I think all of that leads into um you know one avenue that people kind of channel that towards is changing their body composition and like you know in order to feel worthy in order to feel impressive and um I guess to gain a sense of confidence so I find that the body image and the eating behaviors really go hand in hand and working on both simultaneously has been really effective for helping improve people's like quality of life
0: yeah it's kind of funny how it's, it's not funny as you experience it but it's funny how you try to change your eating behaviors and your body image can get like kind of worse you know like you might leave you might initially you know you know be grown up and you would think I've no kind of issues with my uh my eating patterns and my body image all these kind of things and then you start to become aware of them more as you come older and that's where like you know all the the pitfalls start becoming more apparent and you can really get yourself in a bind and an unhealthy spot with your relationship with food and how you you view your own body which you know a lot of people they don't actually have any kind of diagnosed conditions like as far as their body goes anyway, um, or like mentally, but they can kind of make, make some kind of mistakes that are, you know, where we kind of make our living in helping people have a better body image and relationship with food.
1: Exactly. And actually like a large majority of my client base work within the industry, which is, you know, you might think is quite funny because from an outsider's perspective, these people quote unquote, look the part, you know, they're in great shape. So surely they must feel good about themselves, Um, but it's not actually like the case because someone's body image isn't necessarily a direct representation of what they actually look like. It has a lot more to do with how we perceive ourselves. So I've also worked with people coming off the back end of um, like bikini competitions who, you know, may have been in, again, quote unquote, it's all subjective, but what people may perceive to be the best shape of their lives and actually found that they were more dissatisfied than ever, probably due to the increased like preoccupation with food, preoccupation with one's appearance and constantly like body checking. All of these things can contribute to um, body image dissatisfaction, which is funny again, because from an outsider's perspective, well, they look great you know, what's the problem. But actually that forms a, a large part of my client base. So not only do I mentor coaches, but I actually coach other coaches as well for their own um, sort of body image and eating behaviors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's so often I'll hear a client like, you know, as a personal trainer, clients will say, oh, I want to have abs. And I'm like, I don't think you do. But like, until you experience that, I can't really, you know, give you the insight into how that feels. And like all of their psychological or physiological markers, for example, blood pressure or, you know, Uh, rest and heart rate would improve as their physique quote unquote improved as well as it got leaner but mentally is it just I don't know is it like is it just part of the game do you think where someone becomes healthier from maybe a place where they weren't healthy and they become more self-conscious as well or is it like it's not guaranteed that someone is going to become more self-conscious and and self-critical as they become healthier does yeah, that sense?
1: it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not guaranteed. Um, but there are certain. Sort of forms of dieting that may increase someone's risk of developing body dissatisfaction so it really depends on like the process and the individuals like characteristics for example do they have perfectionist tendencies that would be a risk factor do they already have body dissatisfaction and then engaging in a diet that would put them at risk um, are they focusing on weight and shape or are they focusing on health that would be a, a, you know, probably have a different uh, outcome or at least influence the outcome in a different direction. So really there are like a lot of factors that go into it. And it's not to say that, you know, going on a diet is always going to harm someone or changing someone's body is always going to make them feel worse. Um, And that's also not to say that changing someone's body will make them feel better either, because that's almost like a side effect. It's not a direct, um, indicator of anything for example physical exercise can help someone feel better about their body you know they may or may not lose weight as a result of that exercise depending on their baseline level of activity and you know a whole host of other things so weight loss can occur but it wouldn't be the weight loss that has caused the improvements in body image if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah so basically diets aren't inherently good or bad it's all about you know how you view them and how you approach them the tools you use As you diet. If you do if you do diet
1: yeah exactly exactly and um it really is someone's like intentions and motivations for doing so Mm -hmm. that um are the the main thing to consider there and the issue being that most people with body dissatisfaction are very set on dieting in order to lose weight so their focus is in a place that would put them at risk and potentially part of the role of a coach may be to help you know meet them where they're at but broaden their perspective to include other motivations for wanting to, you know, partake in a diet. So hopefully trying to move away from emphasizing the weight and shape and towards emphasizing overall health and weight loss, you know, can occur. We don't have to get rid of those desires. It's just about making sure we do it in a healthy way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All about how you do it. So then kind of continuing on, on dieting. I first came across you through an ebook and just since you've wrote that ebook, you know, a couple of years ago, I think it was, how has your thoughts on dieting changed? Um, And then would there be any kind of recommendations you'd make differently knowing now what you do as opposed to what you did back then?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely learned a lot since uh, I feel like I'm learning, you know, all the time. I could barely kind of keep up with everything, but um, that the ebook that you're referring to, I called life after dieting and The purpose behind that was to provide a framework to help people move away from dieting, you know, once they've achieved their results. Now, that was the initial sort of, I guess, perspective that I was coming from. But now I would say that many people would benefit from moving away from dieting even if they haven't achieved the dream body that they think that they want, you know? So I think that's something that's valuable to consider at any stage of someone's sort of journey is, you know, what process am I putting into practice and what are my intentions behind this and what outcomes am I actually looking for so the ebook had steps for moving away from tracking macros how to find your maintenance how to navigate social situations and I think those are all important skill sets so I would still you know agree with the the steps involved in that sense but I do think that I've broadened my perspective on you know what constitutes a goal as well like you can have a goal outside of manipulating your body composition if the ultimate goal is to feel more confident then there are probably actually more effective ways to guarantee that result rather than simply dieting you know it could be a case of working on self-acceptance for example that would be one component of I guess um, building sort of self worth and working on that, and I think we are very, or at least I was to begin with, was like, yeah, cool, I can help people lose weight. You know, I can help. I know how to do this, but it wasn't really serving the purpose, which for me was to um, again always comes back to actually enhancing someone's quality of life. And again, there are so many factors that go into it that I think that solely considering the nutritional factors doesn't really get you far because we can't change someone's nutrition outside of the context of their life, right? It's something that we have to do on a daily basis. We have to eat multiple times a day. You know, eating often involves socializing. Um, So sometimes these physique goals, which may have been, I guess, internalized through images that we like portray are are subject to um, like from the media, um, particularly like social media, Don't really, I think people have a different idea of what they'll actually get when they reach that stage. Like you said, you know, people coming to you saying, oh, I want abs. You're like, "Ah, what do you actually want? You know, what do you mean when you say you want abs? Because if the whole world was blind, abs wouldn't get you anywhere. So what do you actually want? You know, you want to feel more confident. You want better relationships. Um, You don't want to feel self-conscious. Well, again, the abs don't guarantee any of that. So how about we figure out what you truly want and put the steps in place to get to those things, you know, and improved energy levels. Awesome. Well, then we can make some, you know, potentially make some changes to your nutrition. Again, weight loss may or may not occur. Maybe they will end up with abs. Who knows? But we're not like using that as a measure of success per se. It's about figuring out what someone thinks that body represents to them Um, and I found that in discussion a lot of people are hung up on the idea of getting super lean because they think it represents self-control, it represents discipline, dedication and I think unpicking thought patterns you know like that can be really valuable because who's to say that abs actually represents self-discipline you know what about being disciplined in other areas of your life such as like holding your tongue when you know you you want to say something when you probably shouldn't you know you can't tell much about a person's character from looking at their body so why do we value the body more than the person that would be my question
0: yeah very interesting that uh monologue i think you call that was a a testament to all that you've learned since the the ebook you know you have so much to to offer um one thing one thing that you said that was interesting is people have a goal like they they think they want ads or they you know they think they want they want to improve their health because they have this kind of idea that it'll get them something they don't have yeah I think it's like so important to question why you're just you know making it obvious to me now it's like yeah but why do you want this goal like what do you think it's going to change about your life and then you said as well about the uh improving people's quality of life so not just getting them you know from 20 to 10 percent body fat like because that could actually worsen their quality of life because they might miss out on social events for example or you know they couldn't they might be sleeping as well or their energy might be lower so um yeah how, how would you go about like improving a person's quality of life um when you're working with a client you know like would it just be yeah you, you just you know you explain that kind of point a little bit more please
1: yeah, so I think firstly, it comes back to identifying, as you say, what someone actually wants. So yeah, I have this physique goal. Oh, okay, why is that important to you? You know, what do you want to achieve? Or oh, again, I want to be more confident. Oh, okay, why is confidence more important to you? What would you be doing in a world where you were more confident? And it could be things like, I would um, feel more comfortable getting intimate with my partner, I would stop holding myself back, I wouldn't be anxious about socialising and anxious about the food, that's on offer. I would have more fun. I'd be more relaxed. It's like, oh, okay. So these are all the things that are important to you. So at the start of the coaching process, I really like to utilize values work drawn from acceptance and commitment training. So, um, values are essentially guiding directions, like qualities that we'd like to bring to our behaviors. And there's something that we all have, but we don't necessarily pay attention to. Um, so if you think about values being qualities of behaviors, we all act on a daily basis in a certain way. So we must have like an internal guiding system, but we're not always aware of it. And sometimes we can get distracted from that. So if someone you know wants to change their body to achieve confidence so that they can have more fun with their friends, well, then potentially the value underlying that would be connection. And we can take steps to set goals that are in alignment with that value of connection and set action points based on those goals um, that are outside of manipulating your body composition or can be done in conjunction with whatever dietary approach someone's choosing. If you value connection and you want to have more fun with your friends... Yeah, maybe you can diet and and try and get in shape, but you could also, you know, how about just setting up some dates, setting up some calls with your friends, you know, going out and arranging things to do. Um, Things like that would be a way of sort of goal setting outside of or in conjunction with like nutrition changes. So I think getting an idea of what's really important to a person and potentially identifying values that they feel are lacking in their life right now and then setting goals based on those values so you can think of like in and then goals as checkpoints along the way you
0: just cut out there sorry Jenna. what was the first part of the point you were making uh,
1: no right so yeah that, it there? That, um you can think of values as the direction that you're going in yeah. and then goals as checkpoints along the way to make sure that you're on track and the benefit of that is that this allows you a lot more flexibility you know someone may if they're setting goals in the absence of values they may get hung up on achieving these goals even if they're not actually improving their quality of life for example the goal may be to get to 10% body fat if you're so like narrow focused on that goal you might not realize that it's taking you away from your value of connection because now you can't socialize because you're scared about what what foods on offer you know or you're so busy in the gym and super inflexible about changing your schedule um, when things come up because again you're so set on achieving that 10% body fat well now that's actually probably detracting from your quality of life and moving you further away from the person that you want to be So having these values allows you to pivot when you recognize that a goal may no longer be helpful for you. Um, So that's one place that I would start to ensure that we're on the right track is actually getting an idea of what does this person care about? What do they want their life to be like? And how can we reconcile that with their health and fitness goals?
0: Brilliant, yeah. That's very practical, actually. I I like how simple it sounds. Um, And then also it's not like, know you you typically think or you know i feel as though clients would think that when they're working with someone to improve their health this person is going to give them something and it's like you know you're you're definitely offering a lot there's no doubt about that but also you're getting rid of a lot of the kind of the beliefs the uh the ideas that are just not serving what they actually want which is like very interesting because you never you you don't really hear that a lot you know so that's that's nice to hear
1: i think um the approach that I like to take is very much like client-centered in that they, I I view myself as a guide rather than telling someone what to do or giving them things, as you say, that actually helping them to come to their own realizations and figuring out where they want to go. And I can, you know, give them pointers, give them advice, things that they may want to take on board, but ultimately they're the ones um, leading themselves and I'm just like helping them along the way rather than like oh here's a plan for you to follow off you go you know it's not that that wouldn't be my style of coaching um, yeah. so I think that actually giving someone the tools to make their own decision is ultimately more empowering and rewarding
0: yeah that's a really nice uh, way to explain it kind of like you know you don't know exactly where the client is going to go but you're like you know you're there with them like kind of you know almost walking through a forest and you're like you know I've experience of you know, doing these things. So I'll be able to guide you if you run into challenges. Um, so that's great. And then the next question is, uh, you know, the, the direction of the, the nutrition industry. I feel like it's, you know, it's always changing, but it's really shifting away from um, pretty much your, your, your ebook kind of like really hit the nail on the head at the time where it's like, it's getting away from the calorie and macro tracking. And, you know, as your approach is now much more about the person and the psychology. So could you just talk a little bit about the kind of the trend you see? Uh, the nutrition industry heading?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's kind of difficult to speak to because I only know what I see online. You know, I I don't know what's going on in the industry in general, but from my limited perspective, I think that coaching probably originally took off Um, And it was very much geared towards athletes or like physique competitors, powerlifters, and then began to, I think, expand to include like general population, you know, people who aren't athletes, just like working out, want to feel good, like setting goals for themselves and want to make improvements. And I think that for those types of people, and again, this includes athletes as well, but I think we started off with very it was very much like macros based coaching and that seemed to be the default for everyone and there wasn't really a consideration it was just like well this is what's worked for me so let me teach you what I know um, without really taking in the individual's own experiences into account and as I say Thinking more broadly, one about what health means, that it's not just physical health, but includes like psychological well being, social health, intellectual health, emotional health. Um, I like to include philosophical health as well, which again sort of comes back to that values like having your own sense of direction of where you're going, your own sense of understanding of the world. Um, so I think, firstly, broadening our perspective on what it means to be healthy and then making these lifestyle changes these nutrition and training, um, changes in context. So understanding, oh, actually there's like cultural considerations to bear in mind that we're not just working with an individual we're working with an individual who lives in a certain environment and that has to come into play and again thinking about sure this is one part of a person's life what else do they care about what else have they got going on and making sure that any of our guidance there um, serves to enhance other aspects of their life rather than impeding on them so I think that the direction that mo- is moving towards it's just a, a more of a realization of all these other factors that go into the consideration and as you say things like body positivity or um, psychological acceptance that those things are also important to consider when we're um, bearing in mind the ultimate outcome that the majority of people seek which is you know some kind of improvement in quality of life Um, or like achieving set goals, well, those things, again, probably can't be achieved through nutrition-related changes alone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like instead of having a plan and fitting the client to the plan, you're considering the client as a whole and how you can cater to them, it sounds like. Um, Yeah.
1: And I think like it was very much, oh, I'm the expert. I'm the coach. You've hired me to tell you what to do and to share my expertise Um, Which I don't really think is how transformations, you know, in coaching really occur. I think most people maybe have that expectation of what that's what the coaching process is going to be like. But ultimately, if you're helping someone to achieve their goals, well, then they're the... Uh, experts in their own experience they're the only ones who know truly what their preferences are um, and what they actually want from life so we have to be able to adapt our approaches to meet the person that we're working with Um, and if we can't do so that's not the fault of the client that's just either an inappropriate fit or just not something that you're equipped to do you know and that's okay but I think yeah recognizing that actually the client has something has a lot to bring to to the relationship Um, and and that's important for us to know if the goal is to give them what they want not what you want as a coach
0: yeah absolutely like they've gotten uh, this far in their life overcoming you know the challenges that life has thrown at them and um you know that that experience that they have has a lot of value in it um and just going on, on about how we're uh, getting away from giving a client a set plan it's like in my head and I'm sure in your head as well you'll see like forcing the plan onto the client or just pushing that idea is is incorrect but then it still amazes me how some clients will be like and can I just get a meal plan as well just you know and I'm like that is that is the absolute like epitome of what we don't want to give you um I want you to think independently so it's it's kind of like there's a bit of a lag time between like people who are uh working in the fitness industry and then the actual general population so I guess that's where you know we come in trying to educate the people
1: yeah Um, absolutely and that's not to say that having these plans in place is like always to be avoided you know there's nothing wrong with starting off on a meal plan to provide someone some structure and actually um very structured eating can be helpful for specific populations but again like if the the end goal is to increase someone's like autonomy help them make informed decisions they will get to a stage where they're able to to do that um but yeah sure like meal plans may be part of the process but i help. i think it's like really helpful to and, you know it'd be great if we could change the expectations that a client comes to us with you know through I guess our own messaging of of what's really important and I guess the ingredients have changed there because yeah of course people just simple solution and we all love simple solutions you know so it's yep. very understandable as to why someone would want that I think it's like a work in progress to get them to that stage where they're like confident competent and making their own decisions and being flexible when they're doing so yeah
0: it's, it's tricky it's kind of like knowing know yeah. there's so many tools out there it's knowing which tool to use in which scenario that's what i guess separates the the best from you know the kind of average coaches out there Our guides as you say yeah
1: Um, that that actually forms like a large part of the comprehensive coaching framework so we've come up with what we've termed the spectrum of intentional eating so that covers mechanical eating that covers like macro tracking it covers intuitive eating mindfulness um, meal planning all of these things that we've kind of and put into a spectrum to help help coaches, you know, broaden their tool sets so that they're not just their skill sets or their toolbox or whatever. They're not just working with one approach, but they've got a wide variety of approaches to choose from. And they're again, working with the client's preferences and able to take someone through all these, these approaches, if it's appropriate, you know, there's nothing wrong with helping someone to, I guess, rehabilitate their relationship with food through um, intuitive eating, and then moving into macro tracking, and then transitioning away from macro tracking, you know, that there's something i think um you don't have to choose just one approach i think having a wide variety of tools and knowledge base to accompany in that um is what makes a a coach more effective and helping more people
0: moving people through a stage because you don't want to keep them in the same stage you know as they become more experienced as they become more accustomed to what they're doing they might need to change the approach to get to new goals they might come across as they they work with you yeah um all right and then so question i was thinking about a lot is you have kind of like we'll say the way i see health is uh there's kind of the three parts there's like the food you eat the activity you do and then just psychology like that's like a you know that's such a vague kind of statement but or, or word to use but just kind of maybe like your mindset or your, you know your 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 outlook would you say that uh like psychology is the most important or it's equally important or how would it fit in among those three would you say there's like a fourth element that we're not considered that i'm not considering i Would you talk a little bit about that and just your thoughts on on psychology as it relates to health?
1: Yeah, I think psychology is crucial um, to our conceptualization of health. Um, And I think that there is potentially a bit of apprehension, you know, from, say, personal trainers or coaches about learning more about psychology because, you know, I'm not a psychologist, um, which is, you know, fair enough consideration, but everyone has mental health, so you can't get away from the fact that a consideration of psychology is important especially when many of our eating behaviors may be for example tied to um, psychological factors like emotional regulation or where body image comes in these we like we can't ignore them so I think that having an understanding of how that relates to the work that we do with the populations that we work with, um, especially considering, say, like the prevalence of disordered eating behaviors, which would be subclinical and maybe brushed under the rug if there's a lack of awareness. Um, And again, with these body image issues, like body dissatisfaction is super, super common. And if you're helping someone to change their body image, knowing that majority of people dieting potentially do have body dissatisfaction. You know, I think it just there's an impetus on us as personal trainers or coaches to be aware of these things and know that there are things that we can do to help people with these issues as well. Even if we're not psychologists, you just have to be very aware of like your scope of practice and where there is room to help. But if you think about it, you know, most people would benefit from having some techniques to say challenge unhelpful thoughts or diffuse from unhelpful thoughts. So not letting them like dictate what you do um maybe some like basic emotional regulation skills or even just simply the ability to identify how you're feeling um and steps to reduce say Comparisons with other people, you know, what do I do when I find myself comparing myself to others that tends to not make me feel so great wouldn't it be nice if I, you know, had some strategies to follow in those situations. Um, well, how can I learn to appreciate myself a little bit more The majority of people would benefit from things like this, and I think I was very much inspired by um, the work of keys who um pictured sort of mental health along a spectrum and had say like people in the middle as languishing so not really like on the pathological or the clinical side of things but just like doing okay you know, how can we help the people that are doing okay to flourish, which would be to sort of prosper. And that's what I was interested in. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't like, I mean, I'm interested for my own well-being. I'm interested for the people that I work with. Like, how could we just improve the, the quality of our life? And I think there are so many benefits from looking to like these psychological um, techniques for like inspiration on, yeah, that actually that's very helpful for a wide range of people, not just those who um, suffer with like clinical levels of pathology, you know? So um, yeah, I I would say that psychology is really crucial and there's a lot of scope to help improve someone's health um, with a little bit of knowledge in that area.
0: Yeah. It sounds as though the problems you're talking about are not that like not to diminish anyone's problems that they have but they're not that like um kind of unique or sophisticated like they're all human problems you know like comparison is the thief of joy and it doesn't matter who you are you know uh, everyone at some point compares themselves to someone else and most of the time it's not really useful we're not really considering we're not as you say we're not appreciating you know what we've done ourselves or we're, we're looking externally basically and that's you know a recipe for disaster um so then for the next one, um, so a lot of my clients, you know, they have body composition goals when they first come in, I want to, you know, for example, post pandemic, I'm trying to uh, shed a few pounds or build some muscle. Usually what, what happens is, you know, we get really, you know, well into the training, but because my area of expertise is not the psychology and not the nutrition side of things, we do great with the exercise, we do great with the training, but then um, they, they find it tricky with the nutrition. I'm trying to, you know, almost trying to, you know, wear a few hats at the same time um so is there any kind of one area you would recommend let's just say for myself as a personal trainer or other personal trainers or someone who's gonna go on it alone um we'll say post-pandemic they're trying to improve their health to improve their body composition is there like one kind of change they could make uh, or area to start off with first or some questions they could ask even
1: yeah i think um, relating it back to the idea of improving someone's health and potentially um Moving them away from, or just giving them additional reasons to eat well outside of just manipulating their body compositions because the more reasons you have to do something you know the more likely you probably are to do it so sure someone could eat more vegetables because they're low in calories and that will probably help them to lose fat if they're replacing you know whatever they were eating before with additional vegetables then sure that might result in an energy deficit but what about like why is improving your health valuable to you you know what would an increase in energy like do for you in your life Um, what are you again tying it back to the values what do you care about and what do you want to achieve and how does sort of being the the best version of yourself um, contribute to that so i think having some additional motivations outside of simply the fat loss and the the muscle gain not to negate those things but again we're just adding on more reasons to do something that could be a good place to start and also i think really having some, like, an attitude of, like, compassion towards ourselves, which I know, you know, is often met with, like, eyes rolled, like, oh, you know, it sounds, like, really airy-fairy, surely if I'm compassionate towards myself, I'm just going to be complacent, but, Um, the rationale being that we often place very high expectations and standards upon ourselves and when we fall short of our own expectations we can very easily slip into like a very self-critical cycle where you know we beat ourselves up for not having the perfect diet or for not losing weight quick enough and when we do that usually just serves to make us feel worse and that may be where a lot of self-sabotaging like behaviors begin oh i'm gonna fail anyway so why not just carry on eating, you know, I've already blown it. That sort of attitude probably isn't helpful for people. So I think allowing yourself some grace, being patient with yourself, um, being like more objective as well. You can say, oh, you know what? I did overeat on that day and it didn't actually make me feel good after. I can look at that situation from a detached perspective and not, you know, take it personally and say, this is the thing that I would change for next time. So when you're more compassionate towards yourself. You're actually just giving yourself space to make improvements. Because when you're beating yourself up, you just wanna hide and run away and avoid, you know, doing anything about the situation because you don't feel good. So I think, you know even outside of nutritional advice just being kind to yourself when you feel like you've slipped up knowing that you're trying your best and you can always make improvements like that's okay and the criticism potentially isn't serving you in any way um and then also again maybe not trying to change everything at once is there looking at your diet currently you know where would be the best place to start one small improvement that you can make that would take you towards the direction that you want to head just begin there you know you know, all you've got to do is do better than the week previous or do better than the day before. And again, this isn't a linear process, not to say that every day is going to be an improvement upon the last. But just in general, you don't need to overhaul your life just to see results, you know, and taking it gradually um, seems to be more you know seems to be more effective in the sense that it helps build someone's confidence with making a change cool i can handle that that one step that i'm going to focus on um doing it one thing at a time you can then build upon that you know i've set myself a goal i just need to sort my breakfast out for this week because it's all over the place i'm eating irregularly sometimes i skip it sometimes i'm on the go you know whatever it is potentially that's the best place for me to start so this week i'm just going to focus on you know including a source of protein at breakfast that's my one main Main target once i've nailed that then i'll consider where would be the next improvement and just go from there so i think removing some of that urgency and that desperation to achieve the goal as soon as possible and giving yourself a bit of grace in the meantime probably will lead to more effective um, long-lasting results over time so essentially that will be um the quickest way you know in the end
0: wow yeah that really is like an amazingly practical answer like i know you can almost play like, you know, it's like a debate in your head where you're like, will I eat healthy, will I eat this healthy meal, will I do this with activity? And then you start to go down the rabbit hole of like the reasons against it or the reasons for it and providing more reasons for it, like presenting a stronger case to yourself. And this is why I'd be big on planning, like, you know, ahead of time, you know, having done this work, you talk about values and stuff. It's like being very clear on your values so that they're front of mind and at the forefront of your thinking when, you know, time is is short or. Uh, you have a demanding day or something like that and you can make the best decisions for your health and um another point you made about like you know if you're having a, a poor day nutrition wise and you're like oh sure you know why does it matter I'll just keep on eating as I am it doesn't matter it reminds me of like what Lane Norton used to say years ago about like how uh, if we have one flat tire we don't just go get out of the car and slash the other three just because that's how things are going you know and yeah it's like back to the point as well about how important psychology is basically you know it's slowing down chunking the phase down you know you don't you don't start training for a marathon and and run you know 20 miles in the first week or whatever you might run you know five and then you you gradually build and get better uh week to week or you know month to month so yeah, that's very practical. Brilliant answer. I
1: have a very similar analogy I like to use. If a bird shits on your window screen, you don't smash up the entire car. <laughs> the problem is that we can't recognize when we're doing it to ourselves. So I think developing that level of self awareness is also really important. So having some awareness of your thought process, you know, how are you speaking to yourself? Are you able to identify when you become critical, you know, and what you're telling yourself in those moments, and then how it makes you feel, and then how you're acting in response? to that seeing that connection between your thoughts your feelings and your behaviors i think is really important because then you're like oh okay now i can see what i want to change and rather than telling myself just to try harder just to be more disciplined potentially i can reframe those thoughts with, you know what yeah sure like you're doing your best and one poor you know choice at dinner doesn't ruin all of the other days that I've done well so far so I'm just going to make a different decision next time you know to being able to see I think that connection there is really important so that self-awareness would be crucial as well
0: yeah that's very interesting so something I was thinking of with clients is like I I can't remember what comment it was that made me think but it was just kind of like you know I don't have you know my health all perfectly figured out or you know just because I look healthy or you know a coach might look healthy it doesn't mean that they are healthy 100% of the time it's the way I would like to describe it to someone who's like newer to managing their health is that when a challenge comes, it still sets me back just like anybody else. But my ability to bounce back and like to reduce the intensity of that challenge or the severity of it, you know, over the long term is less than my younger self who kind of might've got thrown off for a much longer time and might've been thrown back, you know, much, uh, much more so, uh, than I am now. So yeah, it's um it's a lot about perspective and how you see it. You know, that that could be perceived, you know, a bird shooting on your window could be perceived as good luck by some people, you know, not even as a reason to smash up the whole car.
1: Yeah. I'm. I think what you just mentioned there comes back to that component of self-compassion, you know, the common humanity. we're all just here like trying our best and we all make mistakes and nobody has their shit 100% together and that's absolutely fine I think that also ties into the idea of a coach as a guide rather than putting a coach on a pedestal you know and feeling like you have to be the perfect example before you can help anyone else because it's not about that it's just about having a different vantage point and different area of expertise and helping someone with that so again yeah nobody's perfect and that's not the point the point is that we're all figuring out what we want and we're taking steps towards that and, and that's really is the
0: the process you know yeah not to get all corny but it's not about you know where you are it's about where you're going you know that that kind of quote of having compassion really and just giving yourself a break when you slip up and you know being allowed to celebrate when you actually do something good like you know as in i think people you know sometimes they they don't take time to celebrate you know or they might celebrate for the wrong reasons oh it's the end of a week i made it through the week you know they're just kind of celebrating for the sake of it versus oh i actually got this you know milestone achieved and uh, I'm going to slow down savor this moment and then wait a while before setting the next goal you know sometimes people are too quick to set the next goal once they've achieved one
1: absolutely and what I found that in practice is all of this is far easier said than done So most people would agree on a rational level. Sure. It doesn't matter. There's more to life than how I look. Sure. Like I should be kind to myself. That makes sense, you know, but actually putting these things into practice can be very difficult. And that's why I think it's important for, or at least, you know, it could be a good Avenue for coaches to explore is having practical tools to help people, you know, to even assess these things in people and then to, intervene you know put interventions in place and then measure outcomes so that you're actually seeing changes in a person's perspective in their quality of life and in their behaviors because yeah ultimately it's easy enough to say that this is important but actually to help someone work on it is a, a different thing entirely.
0: Yeah 100% that reminds me of um, in behavior change research there's a I'm not sure what you would call it, like basically like a term or an idea or uh, a theory it's called like the Uh, Behavior intention gap, and basically, you know, it's kind of like talk is cheap, essentially. But it's been proven in the research, and it's like once I I realized there's actually a coined term for it, I saw it so much. You know, you start with a client, and you know, you're you're in the early sessions, and they're like, or even just you know, anyone in your circle or anyone you talk to, they say I'm going to do this thing, you know, or this big goal, and I'm straight away. I'm like, right, let's reduce that by twenty percent because you haven't a clue, and either do I. Like, I'm not you know the expert in this situation, but I just know talk is so cheap. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just the the behavior is going to be really hard and we don't have an idea of how hard. So let's just, you know, protect against that. Let's, you know, achieve uh, a smaller goal, build momentum, and then, you know, we can achieve the bigger goal in in time, but it's going to actually do more harm than good to talk up this goal and think we're going to achieve it and then fall flat on our face because it's actually been too big of a goal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like a common human trait to have unrealistic expectations. Like, that's not the fault of a client. It's like something that we all do, probably in different domains of life. You know, we underestimate how long something will take. We overestimate how easy it will be. We fail to take certain things into consideration, certain like contextual factors. So, it's very difficult, I think, to actually make accurate goals and plans, which is why I think, again, that self compassion and the ability to pivot you know um, and make adjustments and be flexible those are all crucial skills because um, we're we're, you know we're very limited in in how good we are at managing our own expectations
0: absolutely yeah we're our own worst enemy most of the time and then that just you know it ties into compassion and it's very easy to play like the blame game and be like oh it was my fault it was the trainer's fault it was you know my cousin's fault at this party they offered me this thing or whatever and you know just have some compassion for yourself and uh, a, bit or, a little bit of realism or you know if, if you have any kind of support at all you know get a bit of feedback on you know I'm thinking of doing this what do you think your partner maybe uh, a coach if you have one um, to give you a bit of guidance
1: yeah so totally. you know? and again, this is why acceptance is important as well because yeah. essentially acceptance means facing reality saying oh okay that happened and this is why you know and here's what I'm going to do about it which is again, probably totally opposite to what most people would expect. Our so acceptance just means giving up. No, no, no. It means facing reality. You can't change something until you accept that it's occurred. So really it's like the precondition for making any changes. So yeah, I think um, that compassion and the acceptance sort of go hand in hand.
0: Yeah. You might be able to finish this quote for me. I think it's, is it like Carol Rogers or someone? It's like, it's only once I accept myself, I can change. Is that what it is? Yeah, I like that?
1: Change. yeah. It's only when I accept myself that I'm able to change something like that. I really yeah. recommend on becoming a person, but I can't mm. it's like one of my favorite reads.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, once you accept that a problem exists and that it's there, you know, it's kind of like uh, better the devil, you know, you, you know, almost, you know, because if you don't know what your, your enemy is, it's trying to you work through, you know, how can you change it? It's literally impossible because you don't know where to start how will you have known when you're finished or, you know, what's going on? I've taken up enough of your time here. So we'll just, I've three questions left from like clients. And this is like a kind of a, a client question that I know is important. So we'll, we'll do these kind of quick questions and um, we'll finish up after that. So um, how does intuitive eating tie into fitness goals? So how can I ensure I get enough protein when eating intuitively? Because, you know, you're literally leaving it a lot more to chance. So yeah, any kind of short answer on, on how to eat intuitively and hit your fitness goals as well at the same time?
1: Yeah, the short answer is you don't because intuitive eating is actually um, like intuitive eating TM is an intervention that is designed to break the cycle of chronic dieting and fix someone's relationship with food. So it's analogous to asking, you know, how do I um, max out on my squat whilst rehabilitating my injury? It's like you don't do both at the same time. Um, if you mean how can I ensure I get enough protein without tracking macros, that's a different question because intuitive eating is different from simply not tracking macros um so to answer that question i think most people know what to do it's just having that confidence in themselves that they're doing the right thing most people can eyeball a serving of portion of protein within each meal you know most people if the general range is anywhere between say like 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram of protein. um, On average I think most people when they're tracking their macros tend to just set themselves a goal of two grams per kilogram as like an easy heuristic Um, knowing that it's okay for your protein intake to fluctuate as well i think um, this is a thing it doesn't have to be like on the gram every day and you're not tracking but trying to make sure that you're getting you know a specific number um so simply aiming to include a protein source with each meal will get you the majority of the way there and if your protein needs are slightly higher maybe you're a male you know you're uh, or you're dieting or whatever it is um and having a protein-based snack a day so using your palm as a portion size having a, a Source in each meal and if you need to having a protein-based snack most people can do that you know and they know how to do that it's more so second guessing themselves I find seems to be the bigger issue so just have some confidence that one your protein intake yeah it's important but it's probably not as important as you think it is Um, people tend to once they sort of get into um, this way of eating tend to overemphasize the role of protein I think um, to the detriment of, of other foods so knowing that it's not that that important you probably are getting a sufficient amount and just being mindful to include a source in each meal and potentially a snack if needed and it really doesn't have to be any more complicated than that
0: yeah so um know that you probably will be inaccurate be flexible and then it sounds like basically have you know just some semblance of a plan so it's like you don't go from tracking your macros to the gram to doing absolutely no planning at all and just kind of you know uh making it up as you go along so
1: the thing is as well most people eat similarly when they stop tracking their macros you know you're not suddenly gonna overhaul your entire diet just because you're not tracking it anymore you probably are eating the same breakfast every day anyway like maybe it's convenient for you you probably have a few main meals that you like rotate between and every now and then you'll try something different yeah, that's just like the nature of a lifestyle you know you're not eating different foods all of the time so i think um yeah just having some confidence that when you transition away from macro tracking you're probably not going to change that that much about what you're eating anyway um so i think yeah it's just actually reducing some of that emphasis on the protein intake can help give people peace of mind
0: yeah yeah having a routine to what you eat not eating a random meal every day all right so the next one any insights into helping someone who has a negative body image negative relationship with food so that's that's two huge questions in one i know you've kind of answered it a little bit but Do you have a short answer for those questions?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, you could go on and on for like both of these questions, but I think helping someone with a negative body image, um, there's a lot to it. I actually have an entire webinar series aimed at coaches who want to help their clients improve how they feel about themselves. Um, but. I guess a few main steps would be firstly like changing how you think about yourself so recognizing what assumptions you have about, for example, things we've touched on what being lean really represents. um, And potentially forming new rational ways of thinking. Um, Also being mindful of like social comparisons and addressing those spending time with supportive people who respect you for who you are um, and don't sort of emphasize looks so much and being mindful of the social media content that you um, consume as well. Is this making you feel better or worse about yourself? Um, focusing on what your body can do so you mentioned focusing on strength and performance um, but also you can expand that further as well to include you know all of the functions that your body performs and learning to sort of appreciate and respect your body for what it does for example um, your ability to heal from illness your ability to communicate with others so when you can cuddle someone else kissing people like Communicating with people. Um, What about your creative endeavors? You know, reading, writing, listening to music, seeing um, wonderful sights, like being able to dance, hike. These are all things that your body allows you to do. So maybe just having some like appreciation for that and reflecting on that can help. And then also, I'd say like focusing on other areas of your life is one of the biggest things. So knowing that even if you would sort of identify yourself as the fit person, you know, the one who trains, there's obviously still a lot more to you as well. So putting some time and energy into your career, into your hobbies, into your education, your relationships, other interests that you have to help, I think, keep that balanced perspective. And when it comes to food, um, that's sometimes like goes hand in hand with the, the body image work, um, but also I think allowing yourself some flexibility. So recognizing, again, your thought processes towards certain foods. Do you view certain foods as better or worse? Or do you have a neutral um, outlook on foods? Do you consider the, the role that food plays in your life? You know, Giving yourself permission to eat what you want, when you want, doesn't mean that you will eat everything all the time because chances are you don't actually want to eat all the time because you probably wouldn't feel great for it but just giving yourself that permission to do so sometimes um eating like out of outside of hunger is completely normal as well Um, so like this would be classed as the normal relationship with food is mostly honoring your hunger sometimes eating food just because it's there and just because you want it like that's perfectly okay Um, being able to Regulate your emotions, not always using food. So maybe you're like unwind after a long week with like some chocolate at the end of the day or like a glass of wine in the evening or a social meal with your friends, but having other um, avenues to outlet like certain emotions would be like considered a healthy relationship with food. Um, so, yeah, there's like a number of things that would go into working on that, it just depends on what aspect you want to improve. But um, I try to speak to this a lot, like with some of my content or with my articles, like on my website. So, potentially there'll be some more um, specific advice there, but that would be a, a general answer.
0: That's, yeah, a very comprehensive answer. Uh, some great insight there um and then just the last one is kind of similar so uh for body dysmorphia you know in uh, men and in women um how common is it and then what are just i guess how common is it it doesn't really matter a whole lot but just more like what are strategies to protect against it and you know what are some of the kind of the causes of it you know kind of a short answer on that one and
1: yeah, I'm I'm going to reframe to address body dissatisfaction. So slightly different to body dysmorphia, but body dissatisfaction is totally common, and I think that is important to realise because most people feel a little bit of ashamed, you know, of not feeling confident in how they look or feeling dissatisfied with their appearance, without realising that it's something that the majority of people go through at some stage, and that includes males as well as females. Um, so I think that's just uh, an important point to make. But then to protect against it. The um one of the most effective ways is increasing your body appreciation so like i mentioned being able to um, have gratitude for the functions that your body performs and having focus on other areas of your life i'd say would be two main strategies there and recognizing that you are more than just a body you know if you got to the end of your life like you'd probably want people to be like oh you know he was like ross was such a great guy he was so generous he helped so many people blah 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 oh and he happened to look quite nice like that would be one of the last things that you would want people to say about you so I think just having like a strong sense of who you are and what you want and keeping that perspective in mind um can help and developing sort of protective filters I would say because we're like the environment that we live in is very much sort of geared towards making us feel dissatisfied. Um, But we can, there are steps that we can, you know, we're not destined to be dissatisfied forever. There are definitely things that we can do ourselves to help protect against that. So I think that just, you know, being careful of the messages that you um, consume and being able to have a critical eye about what you see. And also, I think changing the way that you view other people. If you're idolizing people for how they look, you're objectifying them. You know, they're more than just a body as well. What about personality traits Again, that you can't see, you know. So, I think being able to focus on these things, recognizing when you're objectifying others, and then broadening your idea of what it means to be attractive, what it means to be beautiful, which can include personality traits like seeing someone laugh is quite attractive. You know, people who are friendly, um, again, generous, confident you can be confident in yourself as a person. And that doesn't depend on how you look. So I think keeping in mind all of these things um, can really help to protect against it.
0: Yeah, it really ties back into the psychology points we made earlier and kind of like just questioning your beliefs and your values. And then it's kind of just like looks, and our body, it only has like so much utility, like it's pretty limited, but our mind and, and our character, it's like, it's almost unlimited. So yeah. that's very important to focus on.
1: Nobody um, wants to realize it, but we're all gonna, you know, go downhill. Shannon,
0: thank you very much for your time. You're very generous. And that was, uh, that blew away all of my expectations. Thank you very much. Um, do you have any kind of, you know, your website or, you know, your social media uh, information that you want to plug or anything that's coming up or anything at yeah. that you want to promote?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, the best place to find me would be on Instagram, which is at Shannon Beer underscore or on my website is shannonlbeer.com. I have... For people who have been like listening and and you know feel like maybe they want to work on their body image, on my website you can download a free ebook on steps that you can take to work on your body image. And if you're a coach who again wants to help your clients with this, then I have a five-part webinar series on how you can help people to improve their body image. So I'd recommend checking that out. Um, and depending on when this is published, again Gabrielle and I are releasing our Intentional Eating webinar series, which will be about all these different approaches to eating and figuring out which one's appropriate for the clients that we're working with and how to sort of navigate that um, so these are sort of some of the things that i've got coming up but yeah i recommend keeping an eye on the instagram and on the website um have my own podcast have a bunch of articles so all of that stuff will be over there and if there's anything upcoming which there likely will be um, then that's probably the best way to to stay informed
0: brilliant yeah so uh watch the space basically because you're doing a lot of good work Um, keep it up thanks for your time and uh, we'll talk again soon
1: yeah absolutely thanks for having me
0: all right brilliant